Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 14 called The Fool Says in His Heart. Does atheism result from folly or folly from atheism? Says one writer, it would be perfectly correct to say that each is the cause, is a cause, and each is an effect. Here's McLaren. Practical denial or neglect of God's working in the world, his world, rather than a creed of negation, is in the psalmist's mind. In effect, we say there is no God when we shut him up in a far-off heaven. Never think of him as concerned in our affairs. To strip him of his justice and rob him of his control is to be the part of a fool. For the biblical conception of folly is moral perversity rather than intellectual feebleness. And whoever is morally and religiously wrong cannot be in reality intellectually right. So people can, you know, they can do some good things, you could say, but at the core of this is a sin-tainted world, a world in rebellion to God. And and I'll throw this out at the beginning, and I want to say it again at the end. For someone who says there is no God, someone can also say there is a God. And there have been people, and maybe you're one of them, who at one point in your life said there is no God, And then you had a meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ and you said, there is a God. And he's been manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? So there's hope for all of us. And if you're watching right now or you're here tonight and you're in that category, there's no God. That can change. And you can be a spokesman who now tells people there is a God And he's been manifested in Jesus. And so the Lord, verse 2, looks down. He looked down from heaven, Psalm 14, 2, upon the sons of men. He's not disconnected from the world at all. To see if there are any who understand who seek after God. Now, verse 2 is what we call anthropomorphic terminology. Let me simply say that just means something about God is put in human terms. God is omniscient. So he doesn't have to look down. He already knows what's going on. But this is a way for us to understand how this works. And here, the picture is painted as God looking down upon the sons of man to see if there's anybody who understands, anybody who has spiritual perception, anybody who seeks after God. Now, can you think, as you've read your Bible, about some God-seekers who lived among a lot of people who would not seek God? Can you think of some names well, early in the Bible, there's a name that comes to mind for me. His name was Noah. The world was really in total rebellion to God, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Another man that we studied and we went all through 42 chapters of the book of Job. Can I get a witness? And his name was Job. And in the opening chapters, he's a very righteous man. He seeks God. He sacrifices to God just in case his kids did something wrong, and he's blameless, and God affirms that he's a blameless man. We can think about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. There are some God-fearers 
But generally speaking, this picture paints a world in rebellion to God. Genesis 6.12 says, God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Only Noah and his family survived. When the Tower of Babel is being built in Genesis 11, write this down for your notes, 5 and 6. Again, we get anthropomorphic terminology. It says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. The Lord didn't have to come down to see the tower. He knew what they were doing. That's the reason that the language is the way it is. He came down to see because he already knew. But some people believe that this is humor. They thought their tower was so large that it could have reached the heavens. And God looked from heaven and said, that's so small. I got to get a closer look at it. See, what we think is so gigantic Think about the God that we described a few minutes ago, the one who holds the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies together. Do you think he's impressed if we build a high tower? I'm going to meet you, God. Just let me get up one more flight of stairs. (laughs) No, your puny little tower doesn't mean much. And so God often challenges the uh, onlooker, if you will, and he says, it is I who sit above the vault of the earth, Isaiah 40, 22. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? He it is who reduces rulers to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they planted, scarcely have they sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he, he merely blows on them and they wither. The storm carries them away like stubble. To whom you will, will you liken me that I should be as equal, says the Holy One. Look up. Take a look at the stars if you can count them. I call every one of them by name. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. And this is why we worship. Because our God is worthy of our worship. This is how we connect with him. This is how... We find life, and that more abundantly. But these in Psalm 14 have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, some of you may say, but wait a minute. I want to challenge that because I know there are people who are not Christians who do good. And I would agree with you. There are people who can do some good. But I think if we walk this out for a moment, we'll see a couple things. Number one, we got to keep in mind who's being addressed here in Psalm 14. It's the fool who's decided in his heart that there's no God. But there's another matter here that we need to pursue. And here's the matter. Nobody is intrinsically good. Remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. Jesus said there's no one intrinsically good but God alone. By the way, he wasn't denying his deity. He was simply saying, if you're going to call me good, then do you realize that I'm God? 
And remember, he began to address the young man with this question. You know the commandments. He rattled off a few of them. And the young man said, oh, I've kept those from the time I was very young. Okay. Well, there's only one thing that you lack. Go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me and you have eternal life. Oh, the young man wasn't so excited about the interchange anymore. Because he had lots of Cadillacs and Mercedes and back in the day, chariots. And his face fell. And he walked away sorrowfully. What thing must I do to inherit eternal life? I gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta know. Okay, you wanna know? Go and get rid of your God that you put before me. You think you keep the commandments? You don't keep the commandments. Money is your God. And if you will lay down your God and follow the true God, then you'll have this eternal life that you want. And I'll give you blessings that you cannot imagine. But the man's face fell. And I remember being at a men's Bible study. And one of the guys said, and you know, Pastor Michael, Jesus didn't chase him. He didn't say, oh, please come back. Please, oh, please, oh, please. He said, how difficult is it for a rich man to inherit eternal life? See? You see? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Not because money in and of itself is evil. Money is neutral. It's simply a means of exchange. The problem isn't money. It's the love of money which is the root of all sorts of evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. It's to love money more than you love God. And this goes nicely with what we're pursuing in the psalm. Because these individuals have said, no, God will not be my God. Other things will be my God. And of course, in Romans chapter 3, Many of you are familiar that Paul quotes these verses, sweeping statements of all humanity being under sin, condemned, not doing good, because we all fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> the good that I would, I, I often don't to, Romans 7. Just when I think I have a little bit of Christianity figured out, I see my wicked heart. Just when I feel like, man, I, my prayer life's where it needs to be, then it ain't where it needs to be. The good that I know to do, I often don't do. And James says that is the sin of omission. Amen? You can amen on hard truth. It's okay. It's a good time for an amen. Often I, I say, I should have done that. Or sometimes right in the moment, I should be doing that. I should go over there. I should witness to that person. I should, I should, but I don't want to. Nope. <laughs> Ever done that? Ever just made up your mind you ain't going to do it? No matter, even if you sense that the Holy Spirit might be nudging you, like, no, nah, I don't got time. <laughs> I, got, I got places to go and people to see and business to do and food to eat. I've been eight in two and a half hours. I mean, come on, Lord. <laughs> Do all the workers of wickedness, Psalm 14, 4, not know? Do they have no knowledge? Notice it gets worse. They eat up who eat up my people as they eat bread and don't call upon the Lord. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the Word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Ever just made up your mind you ain't going to do it? No matter, even if you sense that the Holy Spirit might be nudging you, like, no, I don't got time. <laughs> I, got, I got places to go and people to see and business to do and food to eat. I've been eight in two and a half hours. I mean, come on, Lord. Do all the workers of wickedness, Psalm 14, 4, not know? Do they have no knowledge? Notice it gets worse. They eat up who eat up my people as they eat bread and don't call upon the Lord. Now, the psalm shifts into how they treat God's people. They are devoid of God, thus devoid of good, and they take it out on God's people, almost treating God's people with disdain, Eating them up as as if they were eating their morning toast. Those Christians are the problem. Let's get rid of them. Chomp, chomp, chomp. You know, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan's been demanding permission that he might sift you as wheat. He wants to drink you down. You know, the, the language that says the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That word for devour there in Greek literally means to, he wants to eat you for lunch. He wants to gulp you down. He wants you to be his morning toast. And this is what's going on here. And you say, well, why? Why would someone, Psalm 14, one who says there's no God, even care about the Christian and want to eat us like their morning toast? Here's why. Because you remind them of him. And they don't like that. You ever gone into a place and they already know that you're Holy Joe and it's Easter and they don't want you talking about Jesus? Christmas, you don't, they don't want you talking about Jesus. And they, they lay down the rules at the door. We will not be talking about that, Jesus. It's Christmas. <laughs> oh, we're not going to be talking about Jesus. It's Easter. And we're not going to be praying. Okay. Or sometimes they'll let a prayer slide in. That's we get the little kid to pray, you know. They start thanking Jesus for napkins and, you know, little lambs. And Or if you get the chance to pray, Greg Laurie likes to joke, just turn it into a gospel invitation in your prayer. And Lord, if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and I know there is, open your eye, wink at that one person. They don't have their eyes closed anyway. They prefer not being reminded of him because they already say there's no God, there's no God, there's no God. And you come in and say, by the way, there is a God. He's been manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you repent of your sin and receive him, you can have hope. What do you mean? (laughs) You think, why do they react that way? 
Because all day long, they've been trying to push it away, push that ball under the water. There is no God. There is no God. <laughs> Knowledge within, from without, from within, from without, day and night, night and day. The music can't get loud enough. And then you come in, tell them about this God that they keep trying to wish away. Is it any wonder why there's Christian persecution? <laughs> Four, or look at uh, final few verses now. There, five uh, in Psalm 14, they are in great dread. Now here's a little secret about them. Even though they persecute and want to eat you up, they're in great dread for God is with the righteous generation or he's with his people. Do you know militant unbelievers are afraid every single day? You know what they're afraid of? A couple things I know for sure. One, they're afraid to die because the fear of death enslaves them, Hebrews 2. Two, they're afraid of God because they know he exists, but they've been pushing him away their whole life. You want to talk about a few major fears that will bum out your soul? How about if you try to deny God's existence when his fingerprints are everywhere, within and without, and that you know you have a date with death and there's nothing you can do about it? That would cause me to be afraid. And so here, they're in great dread. And, and this is another thing you need to know when you're witnessing is just be assured. If someone tells you, I'm not afraid to die. I got no problem with death. It's just a circle of life. Woody Allen spoke for a lot of people when he said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> you would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted. Some translations say the poor. You want to shame my people when, when they bear witness to me, when they worship me? Here's what you need to know. The Lord is his refuge. And this is what we need to know. God is with us when we're trying to worship him and witness in his world. And finally, a cry at the end of the psalm. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. See the word salvation in verse 7? That's the Hebrew word, Yeshua. And I think just about every time you see salvation in the Hebrew scriptures, it will be the word Yeshua. By the way, that's Jesus's name. Jesus's name means salvation. That's why they named him Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew. In Greek, it's Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And here's the beauty of how the bookend comes now. Salvation is from the Lord, and it comes through Yeshua, Jesus. And someone who their whole life said, there is no God, there is no God, can have an epiphany and say, there is a God. Can I give you a few names? C.S. Lewis, a man who was a, you could call him a devout atheist, who had an awakening and met the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the guy that wrote the, uh, the, the modern books, um, Say it again. Oh, it's, there's another guy. His name escapes me at the moment. The newspaper reporter. Lee Strobel, thank you. Um, again, you know, his, his story was told in film and in a book. And what was he doing? He was an alcoholic. His wife became a Christian. He was angry. And he started examining the evidence as a newspaper reporter. And he went from there is no God, there is no God, to there is a God. And he's manifested in the person of Jesus Christ and the Lord has used that guy all around the world. Amen? 
That's what he does. So there's hope for all of us. Even if tonight, you came in tonight saying, there's no God. There is a God. He's revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight and this time in Psalm 14. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for how applicable it is for us. Uh, this psalm has been around for thousands of years, but it's still uh, as relevant today as it was when David penned it. And even though the, I don't think the captivity here is Babylonian captivity, I just think it's whenever your people are in trouble, whenever they're, they're wrestling, they can realize that Yeshua came to save us. Salvation has been realized in Jesus. With your head and heart bowed, if you've not met him, just say, Jesus, I believe you're God. Thank you for coming into the world. Thank you for dying on that terrible cross. Thank you for rising to defeat death. I'm afraid of it. I don't want to die. But if I have the hope of the resurrection, and you prove that to be true by your own resurrection, I can have hope. I can live my life with confidence and joy. I can know why I'm here and where I'm going. Oh, this changes everything. Just reach out to him, the hand of faith. He'll grab hold of you. He'll save you. He'll wash you off. He'll give you a new start right now. And even if you've been a prodigal and maybe you went away and maybe you confessed faith at one point and you started telling people you're an atheist, there's hope for you. Come back home. God waits for you as a father waits for a wayward child. Thank you, Lord. You are so good, so faithful, so loving, so true. And we just want to worship you tonight. And in these closing moments, when we have a chance to express our heart of gratitude for this amazing God who loved us so much, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we ask that you just fill us with fresh passion and zeal and love. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to The Fool Says in His Heart, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 14. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program or any parts of one or two, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo and the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, Psalm 14 gives us an insight into the heart of the unbeliever. And that person really has to have a mantra to say there's no God, there's no God, there's no God. But unfortunately, or fortunately, the evidence for God is not only from without, it's not only in what's been made so that we're inexcusable, but it's also within us, we know. His law has been written on our hearts. Our conscience bears witness. We know. And so we have to suppress the truth. And what are the reasons that we do that? Well, sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's, I don't want to follow. I don't want to yield. Sometimes we have idols in our lives. Sometimes we just don't know any better. We, we know, but we don't know, if you know what I'm saying. We have a sense of the Lord, and maybe... 
you know, we heard the gospel for the first time recently. Maybe you did. Maybe you just heard the gospel for the first time. Maybe you just recently picked up a Bible for the first time and you're like, man, I don't even know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let alone, you know, what does exegesis mean or whatever. But listen, the gospel is so simple. A child can understand it, but so profound. Theologians spend their lifetimes and could spend hundreds of lifetimes trying to at least get somewhat to the depth of it. It's the beauty of our God. It's the beauty of his word, of the gospel. And that's why we're here uh, broadcasting as Walk in Truth. So a big thank you to all of our listening family, our partners. Hey, if you want to partner with us, uh, start with prayer. We, we appreciate, deeply covet your prayers. Well, we've been telling you about the church that's behind Walk in Truth, a great church family in Corona, California, where I serve as senior pastor. It's called Living Truth. And we have a game night, a 2B1 Valentine game night. Now, 2B1's our marriage ministry. And the game night is just fun for couples. Whether you're dating, just make sure you're over 18 to come to this event. Dating, engaged, married. Uh, It's just going to be a fun night, a safe night, prizes, games, dessert, fellowship for all couples. Only $10 per couple and childcare is available, will be provided. Now, you can sign up to come on out. And if you've been hearing about Living Truth and, you know, maybe you're uh, plugged into another fellowship, but this is a night that you'd like to just come out and hang out with other brothers and sisters. Look, we're one church. You can sign up on our church app. Download the Living Truth app in your app store, the red logo with the pillars, or go to walkintruth.com and you'll get the info on the event. God bless you. We'll see you here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's message in Psalm 27 called, The Lord is My Light. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.